I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. It is the 10th today? Yes. 10th of February 2024. We've had something of hiatus. We're going to try uh, tweaking uh, the formatting a little bit, make it a little bit more conversational. Uh, the movie that we're going to be discussing today, we just finished watching, is the 2003 film Killers of the Flower Moon, directed, Martin, directed by Martin Scorsese and starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, Jesse Plemons, John Lithgow, Brendan Fraser, and a whole bunch of folks. Uh, this is based on a nonfiction book about a uh, basically white men killing Indians for their land and oil money in 1920s Oklahoma. And it is one of the 10 nominees for uh, Best Picture this year. And it is long. <laughs> it is about three and a half hours long. Uh, we have avoided discussing it really at all, even during our intermissions. I guess I'll start with you, Rob. Early thoughts. That's almost a little unfair to make. It's almost first, a little but, fair. Um, okay. The first probably, I, I would say the first half to th- two thirds of this movie really is Lily Gladstone's movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just really dominates this. And, and like the first two, the half to two thirds of the movie, I was like, oh, I see why Leonardo DiCaprio wasn't nominated. Yeah. He's more present in the latter half of the film. It focuses more on him there. But Lily Gladstone, her performance was awesome. But also just the cast in general. Mm-hmm. There are so many small parts played by recognizable yeah. names. And I was mentioning late in the film that this was a backloaded film in terms of recognizable stars. Because John Lithgow, Brendan Fraser, even Jesse Plemons don't come in until the film's over halfway done. Yeah. And they're... You know, they're the names, uh, but there's a lot of lesser known, a lot of Indian actors in, in this. It's it's a solidly cast film. It's, uh, I, I don't think there's a performance in it that I thought was bad. No, no. It, it, it's, it seems very genuine. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing was kind of low key, especially for a Martin Scorsese film. Uh, going back to talking about DiCaprio not being nominated. The first scene we see him, he's riding on the train into town. He's getting back from World War II. He's going to connect to his uncle, Robert De Niro, which will get him involved in all the drama that happens later. But he's sitting there looking like DiCaprio is thinking, can I still pull this off? Am I still handsome enough to be the lead of this uh, Scorsese movie? And like a lot of things in this film, I, I thought it was just kind of, it was so understated and kind of slow until very late in the film. And I thought it kind of built like a season of Fargo or, or um, Boardwalk Empire, especially Boardwalk Empire would usually build towards, you're gonna see a lot of characters die <laughs> and it would build toward the climax. And so it just took its time. I agree with what a lot of people have said about this that I think would have been better served as a limited series than as a feature film. I could see that, you know, especially on like the like HBO, one of the HBO yeah. platforms, or even just Apple TV. Um, they're doing that Masters of the Air series right now. So even just something like that, I mean, it could have been, it might have better served itself if it had been something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I can see that point. At the same time, like, and the reason I say that is because as you watch this movie, and I kind of at the very end of the movie started to think back, okay, what could have made this movie any better for me? Okay. And the length, I think, is basically the only criticism you can come up with, right? Mm. I don't know. I I just didn't feel like it had the energy, but maybe this isn't a story that has would have the energy of a Scorsese film about gangsters in the traditional sense. 
I, I certainly think so. I mean, it, there are elements that are similar. Mm-hmm. You know, this would be the the kind of towards the beginning of what we came to later know as the gangsters and yeah, you know, yeah. those types of plots and stuff like that. But it it was more the slower pace. I think is truer to form. Mm-hmm. But you're right; it is a total change of pace from Martin Scorsese. Yeah. But what I was saying before is, is I was like, okay, what would I change to make this better? And the only thing I could come up with was making it a little bit shorter. And then I went, but what would you remove? Yeah. And that's why I agree with you that it probably would have been better served as a little bit limited ser- series. Mm. He might have even had enough for four or five hours total. Yeah, yeah. You could have you could have built up some of these side stories more. It's not that you don't have to force more into it mm-hmm. it's just there could have been more naturally there and there's even things like they talk about the tulsa uh massacre and that's just kind of referenced in the background and clan is in the background but it's they're like, not central yeah like the, the tulsa thing is what mm-hmm. 45 seconds on screen yeah and the clan maybe has i mean there's multiple references to it throughout the movie but in actual total screen time it's again probably 30 to 40 seconds yeah yeah there's they're in the background of this parade following a bunch of indians which well there was, was a couple other things outside okay. of that but yeah yeah, it was. I thought it was just well constructed. Yeah, and it also showed like how long this play was. I didn't have the greatest sense of the passage of time. I think it could have been a little clearer on that. I wasn't immediately sure those children around DiCaprio were supposed to be his children. And yeah, I, it, I mean, they had several scenes before. I'm like, oh, they're his kids yeah. because they've jumped through time. Because it starts probably right about 1919. And goes in probably about 23, 24, 25, that kind of area. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I followed the, that timeline. I followed that those were his kids. Mm-hmm. But you're right. The, the jumps in the timeline could have been made more clear. I, I wonder how much of that was done intentionally with like Robert De Niro. Like you see him limping pretty heavily towards the end of the film, mm-hmm. but not at the beginning of the film. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And so I wonder how much of that was done through or intended to have been done through Robert De Niro, because in the beginning of the film, you mostly see him seated. Mm. You don't see him walking a lot. Yeah. But at the end, like when he goes up the staircase at the, is that at the courthouse? Mm. And then when he's walking around in the jail cell, you know, he's got, there's like a, a limp in his gate, you know? Mm. So, yeah. I thought it was interesting how, talking about subtlety in this film, how casual they were about the plan. And how they never like really say it's like we are killing them. They just kind of talk about it, and DiCaprio kind of gets into it without really saying that's what they're doing. And they're just like calm about it. It's like not. It's like they don't even seem to be really torn up in any way about it. And I think that relationship between him and his wife in the film, Lily Gladstone, Lily Gladstone, um, Molly Burkhart. What is at the core of that relationship? I thought it was wonderfully ambiguous. I thought that they genuinely fell in love at the beginning of the movie. I don't know. But I, that becomes less clear as the movie goes on. I bought that he loved her and married her because he fell in love with her at the beginning of the film. About, half, about two-thirds of the way through the movie, that kind of shifts. Uh, so I get that she loved him. And I, I get the logic of it. And there's that scene early on where they're at somebody else's wedding or a church function. And she's talking with her sisters and she's basically talking herself into, he's not just here for my money because he comes from wealth. It's like, obviously that's the first thing you think of, but I want to like him. And so I'm talking myself into thinking the best I can about him. And then, yeah, just that. Uh, but I think he, because his 
uncle, uh, uh, De Niro, kind of pushes them together. And I don't think he didn't hate her or anything. He liked her. And we grew to love her, maybe, kind of. But it was engineered. Like, he wasn't hostile towards her, which in a way makes it worse because he would he would have killed her, probably. Well, I kind of came up with, came away with the impression that Leonardo DiCaprio's character didn't realize, like, there were parts of this, or elements of this plot that were clear to him when he married. Yeah, he Molly. went into it with one expectation and then grew. But I don't think he thought he was going to have to participate in the murder of his own wife. Yeah, yeah. I thought his wife was going to be off. He thought his wife was going to be off limits. Yeah, and well, they're ambiguous about that too because they talk about giving her this drug to slow her down. They're like, well, not to kill her, to slow her down. And it's like, is it really to slow her down, or is that what they're saying to massage him into letting them slowly kill his wife? Well, and I honestly wondered at some point if he wouldn't stop adding that second medication to her insulin. Not spoiler. Yeah, the spoiler. Um, yes. I wondered if he would stop and would pick her over uh, Robert De Niro's William Hale. So when he took some of that uh, serum to make him kind of like spacey, I didn't. Was do that it intentional? To, yeah, I don't think he wanted to do it to make him spacey. He wanted to make himself sick with his wife. Okay, that's why, I, or at least that's the way I read it. It's kind of like the reverse of Phantom Thread. Okay, yeah, yeah. At least that's the way I read uh-huh. it and perceived it. Maybe I'm viewing that wrong. And I, think he, I also think that's when he knew for sure mm-hmm. what his uncle was putting him up to. Well, and then he could also be like, well, I didn't know what I was saying because I was had this stuff. So it's almost like it's a fallback. It can say, well, that can't be accountable because I was messed up. Yeah, I don't know. Because it wasn't, you know, it's not like it was like a intoxicating substance. Yeah. It was it was some sort of poison. Mm-hmm. But there, like, this, I don't know much about the source material, but this story in general, what happened with the Osage people and stuff, that is a genuinely a tragic story. And mm-hmm. how there, there's podcasts that have been put out recently that delve deeper into some of this and get into like some of the specifics on numbers and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I'd have to look at one of them, what well, one of them was, but I listened to one less than two years ago. Mm-hmm. What I knew about this story is there is a segment devoted to a version of it in a 1950s film called The FBI Story. Jimmy Stewart, it's total FBI propaganda. And Jimmy Stewart plays an actor who joins the FBI at the end of the First World War, and it carries him through the 50s. And he's moved around the country as different assignments, and his first assignment is in Oklahoma to deal with uh, Indians being killed. Yeah. And yeah, that's more or less what I knew about it. Yeah, well, I'd known more about it, and like they've, they're like I said, this one podcast. Maybe I'll have to hurry and look it up. This one podcast did delve into like some of the numbers and things like that. It was it was a pretty thorough one. It was put out. Some people will dismiss it because of who published it, but mm-hmm. I I think it's a good podcast. When you say who published it, what are you referring to? The company. Like there's something suspect about the company's motives, or it's some people will perceive that there is. Is it like a? Pu- it's not like a public radio thing or something like that. No, it's by Crooked Media, which right. is like John Favreau and oh, okay those guys. They they do the uh, America Pod Save the World, Pod Save, Pod Save, World. Save America. Yeah, yeah. All right, so so some of their other this. stuff is political. Mm-hmm. One thing while you're looking for that, uh, there's a scene in the film where. One of the jobs that DiCaprio was entrusted in securing someone to do gets kind of botched. And so his brother, who is the sheriff, and then his uncle, 
pick him up from his house and take him to a Masonic Hall. And they never say it's a Masonic Hall. You see the symbol on the outside of the building, and they go in, and it looks, you know, almost Lynchian, uh, the way those places do. And one of the thoughts I had is, um, a, a 30-year-old, a 20-year-old watching this movie, they're going to even know what that place is. Because uh, I was looking into it. Masons peaked at about 4 million members of the United States in the mid-1950s. And in 1925, which was the earliest year that this particular website showed data on, is they were about 3 million. And today there's a little under 900,000 uh, Masons in the United States. So it went from ubiquitous to are they still around? Do you have further thoughts? Did you find the name of that uh, podcast? I'm, yeah, I'm not finding it real quick. You can just put it in the comments. Yeah, I'll put it in the comments online. I just, I did actually enjoy this movie. I found myself wondering where the plot was going to go, wondering what was going to happen next. Uh, when DiCaprio's character makes that first turn back to his uncle, I thought maybe that was actually the direction that the movie was going to end. I didn't anticipate the second turn. The second turn, yeah. But I appreciated the film. I thought it was good. I thought it was well executed, well directed. I appreciated Scorsese's cameo. Yeah, um, was that was an interesting things. ending. I, I thought that was a clever way to end it as a radio broadcast of a Lucky Strike sponsored true crime radio series in probably the late 40s. Yeah, back when they actually produced them and things yeah, like yeah. that. And, but that was just a really creative way to do the epilogue yeah. segment. Yeah, I think, and I think it... It conveys the information in a kind of a subtle way. Yeah. So I appreciated it. How would you rate this movie, Nate? And we're talking about we are going to change our ratings. Yes. So we're going to go to uh, because we could never quite <laughs> agree. And so we're going to try to do a letter grade. I didn't love this movie. I wanted to like it more. I, it was really, you know, it was best towards the end. And it just took so long. And it just felt more like it should be TV. I'm going to give it a B. Yeah. I like this slightly more than you. I'm going to, I'm writing this B plus A minus range. Mm. Uh, and again, the main hindering factor in it is its length. But when I think about what I would cut out, I mean, there's stuff you could cut, but there's nothing that stands out as this should go away. Well, even, and, and even though I've said that I didn't love how slow it was, there were moments of the slowness early on, like the, those, uh, the picnic, at the church and, and the some of the meetings with the, with, with the tribal councils. And there's that one Indian that talks about how he fought in the Boxer Rebellion. And I'm like, I love that because, yeah, that would happen. There were, he would have joined the army. He would have gone to China in the 1890s. He would have be, I mean, that happened. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting. The, the lawyer, who's actually very nice to Lily Gladstone's character, is like the chief of the KKK. And he's just like in the parade, but he's all smiley and he seems very pleasant. It's like, what is this guy? So there is a lot of ambiguity in it. Again, all of the, the DiCaprio's character, what was going on there? You know, who was he really? What was that relationship? Yeah, with his uncle. Yeah, you, and you with his wife. Almost, well, both, mm -hmm. yeah. You almost wish you had a little more backstory on the relationship with the uncle before DiCaprio yeah. shows up at the end of the war. Like, where's his dad? Like, what's the story of his dad? And how long has he lived there? And yeah. Is that where he went to war from? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that could be, you know, fleshed out. open questions. And, but again, I think this would have been best as a limited series. You know, 
Um, there's this push for like format. Like if you're going to do a limited series, it needs to be five or 10 episodes. Mm. And I think I really wish we could get away from that because this would have been a really good three episode limited series. You could have easily probably fleshed it out to five. You could probably flesh it out further if you had built in a few more characters or wanted to flesh some of those characters out more, but it probably would have excelled in that somewhere between four and seven yeah. episode range. We had that in that uh, the, the Mormon Murders miniseries the other year. I think they should have cut an episode out. It was just stretched out yep. too long. Yeah. I think that there's this push right now that series need to be seven to ten episodes, but you know where Scorsese had partnered with Apple, how hard would this have been to release as a limited series? Yeah. You know, except it wouldn't have had theatrical run yeah. and wouldn't qualify be for some of the other awards. I wanted to see it, and the, the chief reason I didn't see it theatrically is there was no intermission. Yeah. And I don't like, I, I'm fine seeing a long movie, but bring back the intermission. Yeah. We have bladders. I appreciate, I still appreciate the big screen, but I think we are entering an era where the media consumption is going to be more split always mm. you're still going to have things that you want to go see in the theater but at the same time tv home tvs are getting bigger and bigger and more and more pleasant mm. to watch on there's i mean this film has good i don't think great cinematography good cinematography you know my favorite I didn't piece need to of see cinematography was only like four seconds oh yeah and it was that day that they pull into the town and you're looking down the main street during daylight before mm. it went to dark yeah. And then they immediately park the car, and then the next scene, the sun is going That down. must have been some real town, or did they build a town? I don't know. Maybe that's why it's so expensive. But I would think you could find a mostly empty town in Oklahoma and just put dust on the, dirt on the road and, and use it. Yeah, I don't know. So, Did we ever get your grade on this? Are you still... Uh... I said I'm in the A- minus. Oh, yeah, you did. Range, okay. so. but yeah, if there's nothing else, I'm Rob. I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. <laughs>